Welcome into the fade. I am Clay Travis. He is Todd Furman. And we are ready to hopefully get you set for the weekend to come in college football and also the weekend to come in the NFL as well as the week that was. And so Furman, let's dive right in off the top here. Uh, Get your bets in at fanduel.com slash clay fanduel.com slash clay Eagles Cowboys you bet $5 you get back $150 that's a 30 to 1 payout all you have to do is pick the winner $5 bet turns into 150 30 to 1 fanduel.com slash clay Furman what do you expect to see in this battle of the two leaders right now in the NFC East? I think this is a massive game for the Cowboys when you consider the fact they can create a little bit of separation for them in the division knowing that the Washington football team has struggled, the Giants are dealing with a rash of injuries just trying to get out of their own way. So a victory here for Dallas in their home opener would make a million, uh, excuse me, would create some space and separation. Easy for me to say. You got a million dollars on this game, Furman? You're sounding like me. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I I don't have a million dollars in anything in my life at this point. Um, But when you look at the way this game breaks down, I think the biggest question for Dallas will be, is it going to be a vertical passing attack where they're able to put a little bit of stress on that Eagles secondary, which hasn't faced the living, breathing offense, in my opinion, to date? Or are we going to see a steady dose of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, much like we saw last week against the Chargers? For me, this number, three and a half, I don't think it offers you a ton of upside one way or another. My initial inclination is to lean under the total, but not a game that I've invested in yet. I feel oddsmakers did a great job in terms of setting this side and total right where it needs to be. 51 and a half right now, the over-under uh, at FanDuel as I check it. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys a three and a half point favorite. Do you like anybody for first TD? I'll tell you what I'm going to say in Fox Bet Live here in about an hour. I am taking Jalen Hurts to score the first TD. 10 to 1. Like the idea of a little read option, mobile quarterback opportunity there. Anybody that jumps out to you on the Cowboys or the Eagles that you think shows particular value on first TD or any other props that you like? Yeah, I mean, Hurts makes a ton of sense. I mean, when you look at the way some of these primetime games have gone through the early season, you see inflated numbers on quarterbacks. And again, on Thursday night, you saw Sam Darnold get in the end zone first and foremost for Carolina because quarterbacks' legs become such a valuable weapon if you have a first and goal situation inside your opponent's five-yard line. I'll take an eagle, but again, I'll go further down the board for their deep threat. I'm not going to highlight Devontae Smith, who's clearly their number one. He's had more than a 25% target share each of the first two games. But I'll go with Quez Watkins. I think when you look at the way Dallas is going to go about defending Smith, his former Alabama teammate will be on him. I think there'll be some advantageous matchups on the outside. And if Philadelphia wants to take a deep shot or two early, maybe Watkins can actually get to the end zone, unlike what he was able to do in that 90-plus yard reception against the 49ers. So I'll take him as a little bit of a long shot here. All right, so that's Monday Night Football. I want to jump into the two big games in the SEC that are coming up on Saturday. Arkansas on the road against Georgia. Right now, they are a 19-point underdog. Ole Miss on the road against Alabama. The Rebels are a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. I've already bet these games, Furman. I took both underdogs. I took Arkansas And I took Ole Miss. I also parlayed them together. I think these numbers are going to come down over the course of the week. I think they are inflated, especially that 14 and a half I feel like is going to come down. Uh, These are big games and what Vegas is telling us is there's a big gap between Georgia, Alabama and basically everybody else not just in the SEC but in college football. 
Is that the right read? What is your early take on these two big top 25 matchups of undefeated teams? Well, we'll look at the first game in Tuscaloosa. And I think when you look at a number of 14 and a half with a total in the high 70s, it suggests there could be very high variance. So laying 14 in a game that you figure one of those teams is going to have to get to at least 50 to comfortably cover, it isn't as big a deal as, say, laying seven where the over-under in the NFL is typically in the you know, mid to low 40s on some of those games. So it's a different handicap there. I do agree with your side, though. I think Old Miss offensively has way too much firepower to be kept down by an Alabama defense that hasn't exactly lived up to preseason expectations. And I think for Alabama, you worry about their weaponry. Do they have the firepower with this current iteration of the Crimson Tide if Old Miss starts rolling downhill to match them score for score? I love the fact that Old Miss comes into this game with a rest advantage. So Lane Kiffin poking Extra the bye. bear with all of his comments. Yep. Poking the bear with uh, all of his you know, comments about Nick Saban and everything else leading up to the game. He has two weeks to prepare an offensive game plan for a quarterback that's now the Heisman frontrunner uh, as far as FanDuel is concerned and Matt Corral. I think you're on the right side there, and I do think the game goes over the total in the high 70s. Now, I disagree a little bit on the Arkansas-Georgia game, and the reason for that is because we still don't know exactly who's going to be under center for Arkansas. I assume it's going to be K.J. Jefferson, but he wasn't able to finish the game over the weekend against Texas A&M. And when you look at Arkansas, this is clearly going to be their biggest challenge defensively, maybe not just to date, maybe of the entire SEC conference schedule. And I worry a little bit about their offensive line holding up in the trenches against a Georgia defensive front that could be living in the backfield from start to finish. When you look at Georgia, sure, they haven't really been tested offensively, uh, maybe since the opener against Clemson. But I like the confidence they're playing with. I think JT Daniels gives them a viable quarterback option. And when even Stetson Bennett, if JT Daniels were to get nicked up or be ineffective, could come in and fill in admirably. But again, laying 18 and a half with a total in the high 40s, a much different dynamic here. But I do lean Georgia and Ole Miss. So agree with you on one game and disagree on the other. All right, I want to hit you with this because I do think it's kind of significant as we look at the larger picture of the college football. We're going to get to the NFL for those of you who are diehard NFL fans. Uh, Don't worry, I love both. Uh, But in college football right now, and I'm looking at the national championship odds from FanDuel, most recent, Georgia and Alabama are plus 175, co-favorites. And that's a move. Georgia has surged a bit. Alabama uh, has stayed roughly that number for a while since they beat Miami in week one. Oregon is the next team up at 16-1 to alongside of Ohio State. Then we get Oklahoma at 20-1. to And then Furman, Michigan is 40 to 1, Iowa 40 to 1, Penn State, Cincinnati. I mean, the jump from Alabama and Georgia is prohibitive in terms of what the odds become for Oregon and Ohio State and Oklahoma, among others. Do you believe that Georgia and Alabama deserve to be that prohibitive of favorites as we prepare for the start of October? I mean, still really early in the year. I think they're worthy favorites. Now, would I bet either of those two teams at a price that short? Absolutely not. I think there's so much that can go wrong between now and the SEC championship in early December, but it does illustrate a college football landscape right now that's pretty wide open other than maybe those top two teams. I think Oklahoma at 20 to one, if you believe they can rectify everything that's gone wrong for this team offensively, that could make some sense from a value perspective because the one thing for the Sooners so far this season They've been very good on the defensive side of the ball. It's just they've had no offense to speak of. And if you trust Lincoln Riley to get things 
figured out, suddenly this team that was four and a half or five to one before the season start that still very much controls their own destiny in a down Big 12 has all the pieces that you'd like to see for a legitimate dark horse, at least to win the national championship, as the odds suggest. Iowa and Michigan at 40 to one. I mean, you may as well honestly light money on fire. I don't have a ton of confidence in either of those teams getting to the national title. I know people will come after me because, well, Michigan's undefeated. Let's see how they perform this weekend against the Wisconsin team that really doesn't have much of an offense. Michigan hasn't left the big house yet this season. And when I look at Iowa, defensively, they're truly elite, but offensively, they're outside the top 40. I don't think that's good enough to beat the big boys. I think if I was trying to find a little bit of a sleeper here, and I don't have the prices in front of me, Clay, there's a one-loss SEC team that I really believe can do some serious damage. And if we think Alabama is that good, why are we discounting Florida, who has a schedule that they were to go through and run the table, and of course they have their hands full this weekend against Kentucky, and we know they're going to have to pull off a mild upset in Jacksonville against Georgia. But everything I've seen from Florida this season gives me reason to believe this team is probably one of the more dynamic sides you've seen offensively. And in what should have been a letdown over the weekend against Tennessee, it was their defensive adjustments in the second half that really opened my eyes. So if I was looking to take a deep flyer with a one-loss team, Florida would be the team that checks a lot of those boxes for me. Florida is 100-1, to one, by the way, right now. Um, Arkansas, 200-1. to one. Uh, So that is, uh, that's kind of wild. The one that stands out to me that is kind of crazy, Notre Dame, whose schedule now doesn't look that difficult going forward to me, Furman, 60 to 1. So uh, that is worth paying some attention to uh, as we go forward and think about what might happen in uh, in the weeks ahead. Now, I want to go back to the NFL, by the way. Um, We talked about Monday Night Football we got a lot of big games as always coming up this week and for those of you out there watching us right now we do the fade every Monday and Thursday so we'll give you a lot more picks on Thursday as the game gets closer. But Furman, I want to hit you with some divisions right now because there's some really interesting stories out there and I want to start with this one. Kansas City, the Chiefs right now are the uh, last place team in the AFC West. They're 1-2. and two. They are still a minus 115 favorite to win the AFC West. Would you be buying or selling right now on the Chiefs in the AFC West? They entered the season I think like minus 6 or 700 so they were a prohibitive favorite. Now they're basically coin toss money. Good or bad bet on the Chiefs to win the AFC West? I'd buy Kansas City here. It wouldn't be a big bet by any stretch of the imagination. They obviously have some work to do, but I wouldn't be discouraged by what we saw yesterday at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. So many things had to go wrong for the Chiefs to lose that football game that I think over the course of a 17-game regular season, they're going to be able to get those issues sorted out. I mean, you go back and watch that game. They turned the ball over three times in plus territory, two times inside the red zone. Just uncharacteristic mistakes. For a Kansas City team that I think is only going to get better on the offensive line, I really like the energy and tenacity they played with for long stretches on the defensive side. People want to talk about their run defense. Sure, it was against Cleveland and Baltimore, two teams that are going to impose their will physically on the ground against a lot of their schedule. Uh, I think the Chargers could lose as soon as this weekend. You know, One of those teams will get saddled with a loss, them or the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Chiefs will be just fine. You have two games against the Raiders left. You'll have to win the return game against the Chargers. The Broncos are definitely going to be formidable. This is one of the better divisions in football, and there's no doubt the Chiefs won't have an easy path 
But I think at that coin flip price, I trust Andy Reid. I trust Patrick Mahomes. And I think the defense will be able to do enough to allow them to win the AFC West. Rams and the Bucks played in a signature game yesterday. Rams came out on top. Both of those teams are favored to win their divisions. Do you like the Bucks and the Rams to win, respectively, the South and the West? I don't think anybody can really push the Bucks in the South unless there's a Tom Brady injury. I mean, Carolina has been a nice story. That defense has been outstanding, at least through three games. I like the move they made today, trading for C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville, although I was surprised they gave up Dan Arnold to replace J.C. Horn, who's going to be out for an extended period of time. Of course, we'll have to keep tabs on this Christian McCaffrey injury to his hamstring and how long he'll be shelved. Will it be short-term? Will it be six to eight weeks? I think it's anybody's best guess. But Tampa top to bottom, even with the injuries mounting in their secondary, the team to beat in that division. And as far as the NFC West is concerned, I know the Rams have looked like the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, with that dominant performance, largely boxed to wire yesterday against Tampa. I'm still not selling the 49ers stock I bought before the season. They, of course, have a pivotal divisional matchup this weekend against the Seahawks. And while I lean towards Seattle, I think San Francisco showed me a lot, even in defeat last night against Green Bay. A little bit better clock management, not going zone coverage the final 37 seconds. And we're talking about the 49ers being undefeated as well. So I wouldn't pencil the Rams in as a shoe-in to win their division. But I think Tampa, barring major injury or catastrophic, you know, unforeseen circumstance, is the class of the NFC South. It's interesting uh, for the NFC East right now. The Cowboys are minus 150. The Eagles are plus 330. If you think the Eagles are going to win tonight, Is there better value to grab them as NFC East underdogs at plus 330 right now, given where the Cowboys are favored? You could grab a small piece uh, for that price to win the division, but I mean, I wouldn't go completely haywire grabbing that number. If you believe they're the side tonight, bet them on the money line and take your money, get it in and out inside of, you know, three, three and a half hours rather than tying it up for the next 13 plus weeks. I think this division still has some major concerns and question marks. Washington's defense has struggled mightily. Dallas, probably the class, but what will that defense look like as the season progresses? So if you like Philadelphia to win outright tonight, you're not going to be able to get a better division price for a couple of weeks. So maybe dabble a bit at plus 330, uh, but make your bigger investment on the Eagles' money line tonight to get in and get out of Dodge. My Titans are minus 380 in the AFC South right now after the big win over the Colts, which wasn't only big for the Titans to get to 2-1, and one. But it dropped the Colts to 0-3. We were texting about this. I think there's a decent chance that the Colts could lose their next two and be staring up at 0-5. We know the Texans and the Jags are no good. How good of a spot are my Titans in to repeat as AFC South champs? Uh, They've had everything break their way. And to their credit, their season had a chance to get ugly early uh, when they faced that 24-9 deficit against the Seattle Seahawks in Week 2. But... Them bouncing back in that particular spot, establishing Derrick Henry on the ground. You could see that confidence carry forward into the game yesterday against the Colts where Indianapolis didn't have Carson Wentz at full speed. But quite frankly, Tennessee was able to move the ball effectively. And if they were were to score before the half ended, that game's a little bit more lopsided than the 14-10 scoreline going into the break. But when I look at this Titans team, I'm very curious, and I know Titans fans won't want to hear this, how they perform this weekend against a much maligned Jets team that has looked like anything but an NFL team through the first three weeks. But for the Jets, to their credit, they've played three of the top five defenses, top 10, we'll call it, defenses to start the season. K 
Carolina week one and Zach Wilson's debut. They followed it up against Bill Belichick, who we know feasts on rookie quarterbacks. And then yesterday had to go out to the West to play Denver, who has one of the league's best secondaries. I think the Jets are going to be able to move the ball. I think they'll find some success in this game. And the one thing the Jets do relatively well, and it's, of course, a little bit of an understatement here, um, is that they can actually defend the run a touch. So they can try their best to potentially bottle up Derrick Henry, force Ryan Tannehill to beat them over the top. And I think this has all the makings of a little bit of a trap spot for the Titans, who have a big game you know, coming up within the division on deck. They could get caught looking past the Jets. What about in the uh, AFC North? Ravens get a miracle in many ways uh, against the Lions or maybe it's just the natural karmic justice of the world continuing to play out against the Lions. The Lions, by the way, to win the NFC North are already 50-1 to uh, after just three weeks. Basically even numbers here between the Ravens and the Browns. The Steelers really disappointing all the way back at 11-1. to The Bengals too. Do you like Baltimore or Cleveland or do you maybe think there's some value on either the Steelers or the Browns in the AFC North? I think the Steelers are done. Uh, I think when you look at this team offensively coming into the season, we had concerns about how they were going to perform on the offensive line and they've underwhelmed in that department. I just don't think they have the firepower to allow them to win the 10, 11, maybe even 12 games it's going to take to finish on top. So I think we're seeing more of the same from the Steelers the same group that lost five out of six to close last season, not the team that started 11 and 0. So we can throw them out. The Bengals have been a nice story. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from their upset of the Minnesota Vikings to start the season, following it up yesterday with an outright <laughs> win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it was the second largest win for them at Heinz Field in that stadium's history. So Joe Burrow's looking much more comfortable in the pocket. But for me, Cleveland is the most talented team in this division, top to bottom. Uh, I love their ability to run the football. I think they're much improved defensively given all their uh, moves in the offseason in their secondary. We saw Miles Garrett rack up four and a half sacks in that dominant performance against the Bears. I think the Ravens are a half step below them. So if I'm looking to pick one team to win the North, uh, I think it's the Cleveland Browns right now. The Raiders, this is pretty funny, I think. We talked about the Chiefs being still favored. The Raiders are 3-0. and They've had three pretty good wins over three pretty decent teams. They're still plus 550 to win the AFC West even though they're tied for the lead right now with the Broncos. That's a lot of disrespect, right? I mean, I think it's just because it's a logjam. That division is so competitive from top to bottom right now. When you look at the records, you talked about it. The Raiders and Broncos are both undefeated. The Chargers are 2-1. and one, And Kansas City's picking up the rear at 1-2. and two. And while the Raiders have done what they needed to, winning those games. They haven't exactly shown that the defense is ready to step up in prime time yet. It's better than what it was last year. I think this is one of the more unheralded offenses in the league. Uh, But no, I'm not running to bet the Raiders at 3-1 to to win the division. Although I do think a week from today, that is a fascinating game at SoFi where the Raiders are three three, three and a half point underdog for their trip to take on the Chargers. All right, what else is jumping out at you as we get ready for, uh, we just ran through all the divisional games. Are there any lines that you love uh, in college football or the NFL? I know it's Monday uh, and as we look ahead to top 25 matchups, you got some Friday games. uh, Undefeated Iowa on the road against Maryland. Uh, BYU, who is an outside uh, chance, I think, at making the college football playoff. We already talked about Arkansas and Georgia. I'm not going that far to say BYU's got a chance. 
I do think they have a chance because uh, I think if you look at their schedule they could get five Pac-12 wins and I think there's a lot of collapses. ACC is not going to get a team but we can debate that maybe uh, later in the maybe later in the season. I've already written it. Cincinnati going on the road against Notre Dame. Did it surprise you that the Bearcats were favored <coughs> on the road in this one? I actually would have made a case for the Bearcats if they were underdogs um, but I think oddsmakers did a great job in terms of pricing this game accordingly. Again, Notre Dame coming into the season was going to play six teams all coming into the game against the Irish off a bye. Cincinnati falls into that particular grouping. I'm curious to see what we're going to get out of Desmond Ritter. His body language despite the win against Indiana wasn't great. He showed to be a little bit exasperated on the sidelines when some of his teammates weren't exactly performing to probably the standards he was looking for. Again, familiarity here with Notre Dame's defensive coordinator and Marcus Freeman who left Cincinnati for the same post under Brian Kelly. Let's see if Notre Dame can run it back because that final score against Wisconsin was one of the more misleading results of the weekend. Of course, it's a 13-10 game to Notre Dame's credit. They get the big kickoff return and they get two pick sixes to pile it on late. And Wisconsin didn't really provide much of a threat. So am I surprised with the number here? Uh, Absolutely not. Do I think there's value to be had on either side? If it got to three, I could see making a case for Notre Dame. Uh, But I think this just speaks to what kind of team Luke Fickle has put together. And if Cincinnati is able to navigate through this obstacle, the road in front of them gets significantly more favorable, especially knowing that Dylan Gabriel could be lost for the season, the talented quarterback at UCF. Anything, I know you already tried to go after my Titans and make a case for the Jets as over a touchdown underdog against the Titans. I, I don't think that's got very good opportunity to happen. I think the Titans defense is much improved. Any other, let's go to the NFL side here. Any games that really stand out? Bucks on the road against the Patriots, obviously Sunday night football. It's going to soak up a ton of the oxygen. It's by far, I think, the best game. But you got Steelers on the road against the Packers. Steelers sitting at 1-2. and two. Ravens on the road against the undefeated Broncos. I would not have anticipated before the season started the Broncos opening as a small favorite there or at least being a small favorite right now. Cardinals and Rams matchup of undefeated NFC West teams. Chiefs suddenly a little bit wobbly on the road against the Eagles. Uh, The Colts trying to avoid 0-4 on the road against their former quarterback Jacoby Bursett. Panthers on the road against... I mean there's a lot... The NFL is amazing because you can find good storylines kind of across the board. What is standing out for you from an odds maker perspective and then obviously we've got the Jags on the road against the Bengals with the Bengals having a good chance to get to 3-1 and one, which is a heck of a start for them. Well, I think the most fascinating game for me other than, of course, the obvious Tom Brady's return to Gillette. I don't see much opportunity in that particular betting number. I think the whole world's going to line up and try and lay the 6-6.5 six, six with New England here or excuse me, with the Tampa thinking that Tom Brady will show no mercy. He's going to go out there and hang 50 on his old team. I'm not sure I'm going to use narrative to allow me to make any sort of investment on that particular game. But you mentioned the Ravens and Broncos, and I think this is the most fascinating game of the entire weekend because we still have some questions about Denver. Is this team for real? How good are they offensively? Well, this is going to be an outstanding litmus test, and you're exactly right, Clay. I mean, before the season started, you'd have been looking at the Ravens right around a field goal road favorite in this particular spot. Even last week at FanDuel, on the look-ahead numbers, before Baltimore struggled with the Lions uh, with that 66-yard game-winning field goal from Justin Tucker and Denver dispatched the Jets, Baltimore was a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. So while it doesn't change the handicap from a key number standpoint, I think this will be the first real indication of what Vic Fangio was working with and if Teddy Bridgewater is a legitimate threat 
within this NFC West uh, if they can get a big win against the Ravens. So for me, that's the marquee game that I want to watch. You look at some of the other numbers that are out there, I do think you're going to see an appetite for Arizona. I don't think the six will last. So if you like the dog, you may want to dabble there. was personally hoping for a seven. I don't quite think the market is going to allow. Uh, and we've seen a little bit of money from professionals come in early on in a not-so-marquee game, uh, but yet more money against your former offensive coordinator and Arthur Smith. Uh, Washington has moved into a one-point road favorite despite their uh, defensive foibles through the first three games of the season. Four straight weeks of winning picks for me in college football. Not that I want to brag or draw attention to myself. Also, no losing weeks in the NFL. Two I pushed over the weekend. Furman, I'm white hot. Can't wait for Thursday to let everybody know how to get rich. (laughs) Hey, we'll look forward to it. And again, I do have to say, Clay, I'm more than happy to have you win all your picks as long as you don't win the ones that we disagree on. And I believe in college... I said I like Nebraska against your Michigan State pick, and I think we were head-to-head on the Raiders and Dolphins as well. So I'll take my 2-0. and Both of those. win the rest of the board and go 14-2. and Both of those were tough beats because we almost well, had – I, well, I know it went to hold overtime. On a second. Yeah, hold, hold on a second here. Michigan State didn't pick up a single first down the entire second half. Did they have a chance to cover an overtime? Yes, but don't tell me it's a tough beat when the only big play they had was a punt return. Nebraska dominated – the Dolphins, a little bit of a different story, but I was actually hoping that game ended regulation. I didn't want to have to sweat out overtime and seeing if John Gruden was going to stick it down my throat. Uh, by the way, uh, yeah, and I almost got the uh, the cover in both of those in overtime. We shouldn't have. The Raiders should have been able to keep that out of going to overtime. Um, how about me kicking your ass in fantasy football in our high-end <laughs> league? I noticed that it didn't come up. Well, I was going to give you credit. I mean, Josh Allen went out there and curb stomped my entire roster putting up 50 points in that particular spot. I should know better when I have to trot out a Titans quarterback and Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I put up a modest buck 30, but between Josh Allen getting white hot uh, and Mike Williams going bonkers against Kansas City, I didn't really stand a puncher's chance. Kudos to you, but you know what, Clay? You can win these games in the regular season like you did. I still have the money that I made from getting to the championship last year when I took you to the woodshed in the semifinal game. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, We will talk again on Thursday. We'll be there at 5 Eastern. Also, Fox Bet Live on television will be in about 30 minutes if you haven't gotten your full share. Well, for for you, it'll be Fox Bet Live in 30 minutes. I won't be there, so you're good. Yeah, Furman won't be there. I will be there in 30 minutes. Appreciate all of you. Uh, We look forward to this every single Monday and Thursday, college football and NFL breakdown for what happened, what's likely to happen going forward. All that and more. I'm Clay Travis. He's Todd Furman. FanDuel.com slash Clay. Get your bets in. And as always, get rich, kids. We'll see you on Thursday.